and welcome to episode 11 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to binge watch a new Netflix original series in a single day. Don't feel bad, we've all done it. This week's theme is shame. We'll be discussing games we've played recently, like Junk Art, Monster Factory, and A Fake Artist Goes to New York. Then, we're going to embarrass ourselves a little bit by talking about some of the popular board games that we've never played. And we'll wrap it all up with a discussion about the etymology of the word lose. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. This week, I didn't actually get to play any games because I've been busy moving. But last week, I got to go to Victory Point Cafe, which is a small board game cafe in Berkeley. And it was pretty crowded when we went. We went on Saturday in a little after lunch. But we were able to find a space to play for two people. It was just me and my husband. And we got to try out some games. And one of them was Junk Art. Ooh. Um, Junk Art is a new game that's basically like playing with blocks that are different shapes than just blocks. <laughs> so it, it really reminded me of being a kid and playing with wooden blocks and stacking them together because I used to have like blocks and cylinders and other shapes in my wooden block collection but in, <laughs> in junk art there's different colors of wooden shapes like there's cylinders there's like just dumbbell shapes there's blocks spheres other things and there's different rules that you have on how to stack it so you pick three cities which have the rule sets and so like, one of them is just you keep stacking car- blocks until you get the highest tower, and if, like, if pieces fall off, then you lose or something. Each block is different, so there's a whole deck of cards that match the blocks. So a lot of the times how you pick which block you get is you pick a card, or sometimes you draft the blocks and like choose which ones to give to the other player. So it's pretty cool, because there's some strategy for the party game in like picking which block you want to use and what you want to give to the other people. And it was it was pretty fun. It was reminding me of playing with blocks. So and this is that game is from Pretzel Games. This is their second yes. game their second release and their second dexterity game that they've released because their That's first true. one was Flick 'em Up. Yeah. And in Junk Art it has one of the rule sets is using game pieces from Flick 'em Up, like the little cactus. <laughs> So you can't use it unless you have Flick 'em Up. <laughs> do you have you played Flick 'em Up, Ambi? Yes. Okay. Do you, and so between the two, do you have one that you prefer? I prefer Junk Art. I think. Okay. I think that Flick 'em Up is a little complicated setup-wise for what it is. But it looks so cool when it's all <laughs> set up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but like I have other flicking games that I like, like Crokinole is just pure flicking, and it's already set up like. There's nothing to set up. So. <laughs> but j- junk art is a completely different feel. And I, like, I haven't had that in a board game before. Okay. So basically, is, is junk art the like grown-up version of Animal Upon Animal? Because it's wooden pieces that you're stacking on That's each other. That's what I but... was thinking, too. I actually haven't played Animal Upon Animal. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Well, it's pretty... You're literally just taking wooden animals and piling mm-hmm. them on top of each other. Like, okay. that's it. It's a kid's then, game, basically. So Yeah, it's similar. But but some of the rules make it feel different, I think. Because sometimes you don't want the tallest one. Sometimes you just want to make sure you don't fall. Or or sometimes you're switching off. There's, like, one tower in the middle, and then you switch off. It's like Jenga. Okay. That's cool. I, I'm a big fan of dexterity games. 
and I have not gotten a chance to play Junk Cart yet, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I was going to talk about Mystic Veil, but I decided I'm going to talk about Monster Factory instead because I played it twice in the last two weeks. I like Monster Factory because you're building weird little monsters out of tiles. So everybody's building monsters at the same time. This is, oh, by the way, this is totally a kid's game. This is meant for like five-year-olds. So (laughs) Um, you have tiles that are face down. Everybody starts with one tile for their monster, and then you take turns drawing tiles. And the cool part is you can put that tile either on your own monster or on somebody else's monster. So you can make somebody else's monster really weird if you want yours to look like a normal monster, but it won't happen, just so you know. It's all going to look weird. And the first person to finish their monster starts a little minion monster, and then the game keeps going until everybody's either finished their monsters or there's no more tiles to draw. And you get some really weird-looking monsters in the end. The only thing I wish is that there were, there were more colors. The, the main colors are purple and green, and that's really about it. There's hardly any other color in the, in the tiles, which is just weird. <laughs> so everybody's got these weird-shaped purple and green monsters. It's a fun game. So who, who publishes Monster Factory? When, did, when was it released, and how many players does it accommodate? It's Rio Grande. Lately, I've really had a thing, and I don't know why. I've been playing a lot of Rio Grande games lately. So it's Rio Grande. It came out in 2012. It's up to five players. Monster Factory. Ages 5 to 99. <laughs> <laughs> but once you hit 100, you can't play anymore. Nope. Game over. I recently got a new game in the mail that I ordered, and I had never played before, but I was super excited to try it out. So I went ahead and just ordered a copy for myself. That is A Fake Artist Goes to New York. Uh, it's a game for five to ten players, and it was published by Oink Games in 2012. In this game, one person is the question master, and they set the category for the round, and then they write a word that falls within that category on a bunch of dry erase cards that are going to be given out to all the other players. But one of the players' cards will have an X drawn on it, and that designates them as the fake artist for the round. So then a piece of paper is passed around the table, and each player, using a different colored marker, adds a single line to make up, a eventually, a drawing of what was written on the cards. The fake artist has to pretend they know what's being drawn because they don't actually know. And the real artists don't want to make the drawing of the item too good, because at the end of two rounds of passing the paper around, they, everyone has to vote on who they think the fake artist is. If, the, they, if they can't figure out who the fake artist was, then the fake artist wins. If they can figure out who the fake artist is, then the fake artist has a chance to guess what everyone else was drawing. And if the fake artist can guess Mm. correctly, they also win. But if they can't, then they lose. So it's a weird comparison to make because this game was actually released first. But to me, this game kind of feels like Spyfall, but with drawing. I was just thinking that. It plays exactly like Spyfall, which, again, yeah. Spyfall came out later, so then <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if Spyfall kind of borrowed from this game in concept, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, like, I liked Spyfall when it came out, and I was excited about it when it first came out, but it's been sitting on my shelf collecting dust for quite some time now. For whatever reason, after the initial hype wore off, like, I haven't been itching to play Spyfall, Partially because sometimes when I bring that game out, there'll be one or two people in a group that 
really have a hard time lying and mm-hmm. making stuff up on the spot. That's me. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. Like, I'm usually kind of good at that, and there have been games where I really, like, struggled Whereas this game, you don't have to, it's not, there's not as much pressure because all you have to do is draw a tiny line if you're the fake artist. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to be good at lying, you don't have to be quick on your feet necessarily. So I think that this game fills the same niche as Spyfall, but does it better. And this game came out first, so (laughs) I kind of wish I had already known about this, and so I wouldn't have bought Spyfall. I gave my copy of Spyfall away at a charity event last year. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I probably will give mine away at some point. I just don't I just don't play it enough to warrant it anymore. And it's not to say it's a bad game. I just I'm not finding times to pl- that I want to play it. So this game also is adorably tiny. It is in this like teeny tiny little pink box. It's Japanese, so it's nice and little and compact. And so it'll be easy to travel with. I think it'll work with more groups of people than Spyfall does. I like games that accommodate a larger number of players, which this goes up to 10. But I guess technically, if you had more markers, like if you found other colors, you could technically even go higher than that. I've only played it at lower player counts. I've played it with five and I've played it with seven. And it was really fun, but I think that it'll even, it'll shine even more with the full player count of 10. Because mm. when we were playing with five, that means only four people are drawing. And so I feel like there was more... You, there, you had more obligation to, like, ma- add something significant to the picture, whereas with 10 players, you wouldn't have to add as much to, like, flesh out the picture in the end, and I think it would be funnier looking. And we were technically playing it a little differently. We only passed the pad around one time instead of twice, just because we were, I was new to the game and I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but it worked out well and it was a lot of fun, and it's not very expensive either, so I would highly recommend that if you like party games... Um, you don't have to be good at drawing. Don't let that be a deterrent. But I would highly recommend people check out A Fake Artist Goes to New York by Oink Games. Yeah, I really want to try it. And when I saw that you were playing it, I was so jealous. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I have the problem with Spyfall where I'm not good at coming up with questions or answers on the spot. Mm-hmm. Like, like I can just straight up lie yes or no, but coming up with a creative answer is hard. And it's also really hard to come up with questions, even when I'm a good guy. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but with with the fake artist, that seems like it takes away the pressure of that. So you reminded me when you said that you were jealous in our episode <laughs> that just came out not too long ago. I think a couple episodes ago, <laughs> uh, Cassidy and I were both super jealous of you because you had played Captain Sonar. And now, if I recall, all of us have played yes. Captain Sonar. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is kind of an addendum to that, to your what did I play recently segment, Ambi. but holy crap, Captain Sonar is the best thing ever. <laughs> I love Captain Sonar. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, we I'm bought it after away. that episode. It is so much fun. So, yeah, I, I got to play as both the engineer and the radio operator, and I was so nervous to be the radio operator. <laughs> but it was like... The whole time when I was radio operator, oh, and if people haven't listened to our episode about Captain Sonar, go back and listen to that because we're not going to explain the whole thing again. But like I was like drawing the little lines and I felt hopeless for like most of the game. I was like, (laughs) I can't figure out anything. I don't know where they are. And then when we when I did know where they were, it was like the coolest feeling ever. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're right there. And then we torpedoed them and we hit them. 
And then they tried to get away, and I still knew where they were. And I was like, they're right there. Do it again, Torpedo. (laughs) It was amazing. I loved it. I've only played as the engineer. I never want to be the captain. Um, Ever. (laughs) Being the captain is tough. I can't. Nope. Mm -mm, Not for me. (laughs) I bet bet you'd make a good captain. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll sink us all. We'll all die. (laughs) For this week's thematic game segment... We're going to get a little bit real with you guys. We're not perfect. I know, it's shocking to hear, but we have not played some of the most popular board games that exist in the hobby. Some of those games, all three of us have never played. So, as our act of penance, right now we're going to name a few of the games that none of us have ever played. And then we're going to head into a discussion about some of the games that some of us have played and others haven't gotten around to yet. So let us fall into a spirit of contrition and admit our shame. Acquire. Shame. Eclipse. Shame. Forbidden Stars. Shame. El Grande. Shame. Arcadia Quest. Shame. Shadows over Camelot. Shame. Now that we've fully expressed our complete shame as a podcast, we can we can rein it in a little bit and talk about some of the games that some of us have played and some of us haven't. Which Admittedly, when we were going through this list, I I was actually a little surprised at how many of the top 100 games by ranking on BoardGameGeek that I haven't played. So, which is a lot, and it's a number that I don't want to say out loud. (laughs) I was not surprised that I had not played so many of them. (laughs) I I guess technically I'm not surprised either, because there are certain types of games that tend to be rated highly that I don't gravitate toward, like... Euros, for instance. War I games either <laughs> War games. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, war games are not something that I gravitate toward either. And that is, a lot of the highly rated games do fall into those categories. So it does make sense. But of course, Andy, you've played <laughs> so many of the top 100 games. <laughs> Andy's putting us all to shame, for real. Well, there's still, there's still quite a few that I haven't played. So. Yeah, but you have, like, half of what we do. <laughs> I think less than half, actually. Probably. <laughs> it's because okay, she likes so all Andy... those train games. Which, which well, is interesting. None of them because... are in the top 100, really. Or the ones that well, I've played aren't. Ambi loves train games, yet she has not played a bunch of the Ticket to Ride expansions that you and I have, Cassidy. So that's, that's fine. true. That's true. Yes. That you're, proves you're, it's not the trains that I but like. I think it's I think it's because Tickets to Ride is uh, too simple of a train game for Ambi. I played the base I, game. I just generally don't play expansions, or like if if I've played a game, I don't play the new version if I've already played it and I'm done playing with it. So like I haven't played the new through the ages, which is in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you've played the old through the ages. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which is also in the top 10. Aren't they basically the same? They're basically the same. 
there's a couple games that I haven't played that I think are like pretty standard and they're actually kind of seen as gateway games so I feel like I should have tried them at some point I've never played Stone Age before which, oh but you don't like euros i mean well but stone age Aww. is just more like we're, it's like it's cute and it's worker placement and there's the little hut where you can put the two meeples and they make a baby right they, like that's, they do in fact make a baby yes, yes. <laughs> so that's fun it's one of those games i haven't avoided it i just have never played it and ambi shares some shame with me mm-hmm. in that both she and i have never played lords of Waterdeep before wah, which is also wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, it's another one, and I—I I, what's fun is I even like the D and D theme, and I've just never played that game before. I have a serious love for Lords of Waterdeep. It's a problem. <laughs> well, maybe in March <laughs> when we're all in Las Vegas for MeepleCon, we could play Lords of Waterdeep together. Yeah, yeah, you should teach us uh, and yeah. Stone Age. Okay. <laughs> also, advertisement, everyone should come to MeepleCon in March because all three of us are going to be there and it's going to be so much fun. I am inordinately excited about it. I'm traveling long distances. <laughs> and it'll be the first time that all three of us have ever met in person. So that's pretty yep. cool. Ambie, what other what other games have you not played? So the other ones that are, were major for me, I think you guys also haven't played. There's Brass and steam and so brass is like always recommended to people that like games that i like (laughs) whereas i know almost nothing about it i know zero things it's a martin wallace game martin wallace also made age of steam which i have played but i only played it like last month or something and age of steam is a train game shocking so age of steam is similar to steam i think but I haven't played Steam. I own it, and I also own Age of Steam, but I've only played Age of Steam. Um, so I guess my biggest one is Power Grid. I have not played Power Grid. I love Crazy Euros, and I have not played Power Grid. I own Power Grid. I've had it since <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I have not had a chance. Power Grid's interesting for me because I have played it, but the last time I played it was back in 2007 when I was still living in Kansas City and admittedly I was new to modern board games and I didn't even know what the word euro was at that point (laughs) but I really did not like Power Grid and I don't really know why I didn't like it because it's been so long that I, I I don't know what the reasons were I just didn't enjoy playing it there were other games that my friend owned that I liked more and I keep kind of wanting to try it again but not really because I'm not into euros and I've I've had a couple of instances where my friends were like we're gonna play power grid are you gonna play with us and I was like uh no I'm gonna go play something else so I might play it again at some point but it's not something that I'm def I'm itching to do yeah I need to play it I need I need to play it I want to play it I need time (laughs) (laughs) I need time to learn how to play it yeah. What else is on your shame list, Cassidy? So Twilight Struggle is on my shame list. And I say Twilight Struggle is on my shame list because I think uh, Matt, my boyfriend, would really like to play Twilight Struggle because he's super into the history and the war games. I'm not really into war games, but this game has always sort of interested me because it's always been so highly rated. Like it's it's always been up there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I I'm in the same place you are. Yeah. I've never played it. I don't necessarily know that it'll be my cup of tea, but I really do want to give it a shot at some point. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I played it a couple of times. It's not my type of game. You have to know the cards pretty well to play because each one's different and they do different things. And you can use them in different ways too. And it's good to know what your opponent can have in order to play it. And then I'm also not interested in historical themes that much. <laughs> it's, it's tough with a game like that because the barrier for entry is so high because mm-hmm. the game takes so long to play. And then what yeah. you said, like, it's better when you're familiar with it. Like, how many people are going to go through the process of becoming, becoming familiar. familiar? Yeah, like, yeah. that makes it really tough. And I think Apparently that's part of the lot. reason I haven't, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I haven't really I mean, sought it out. Yeah, I, I have friends from college who really enjoy it, and they play it a lot. So it, it's just, like, I could tell that it, it's a good game, but just I, it's not my type of game that I would want to play a lot. I have a few games that are on my list that were really near the top of the board game geek rankings that you guys are probably going to be like, maybe, Uh I don't know, maybe we can get a dramatic gasp, but I'm going to name three games all at once. I have never played Terra Mystica, Caverna, or Agricola. (gasps) I I haven't played Caverna (laughs) either, but I'm... I, I know you don't like Euros, but yeah, I mean, uh, it hurts I mean, my that's heart. not super pr- surprising because you don't like Euros. I know, but they're like, they're things, you know? Like, I feel like, <laughs> like, especially Agricola, which I, it seems like I've heard that Caverna is actually similar to, but better than Agricola. But I, since I've never played either, I don't really know a lot about that. And Terra Mystica was, people were raving about that game. Like, what, like... A year or two ago when it mm-hmm. first came out. I'm not, I don't remember when it came out. 2014, maybe? I'm looking it up. Uh, I'm guessing. Something like that. But it feels like I should have played some of those games at some point. Uh, 2012 for Terra Mystica. Oh, wow. Oh, really? That's actually older than I thought. I love Terra Mystica. I have a hard time with Terra Mystica because there are so many different ways to get points. And I get, like, pigeonholed and I get I look at one thing and I'm like this is it. This is how I'm going to get points. And then I forget like the whole other half of the board where I could also get points. And I have a hard time going, okay, I can get points here. And then I'm going to go over here and get points. And I'm just like, no, here and here only. So I love Terra Mystica, but I never win ever. I like Agricola and Caverna. I haven't played Agricola as much, but like my friend plays Agricola a lot and he prefers Agricola to Caverna. Because there's more, like, there's cards that you draft at the beginning, and so there's more strategy there, I think. But Caverna, I think, is more beginner-friendly, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe maybe I'll try Caverna. Yeah. At some point. Well, they have, like, things you can do for Agricola, like intro games where you just don't use the yeah. cards and stuff like that. But, but then and... that game's not as fun. Yeah, yeah. Then it's there's just like, like not, why not am I playing this game if I can't <laughs> play half of this game? Yeah. And it's... Yeah. it's I say that I don't like euros, but there. It's not that I'm completely against like the like, that's. Those are mostly worker placement games. Is that an accurate description or no? Or is there what, is worker Agricola placement? Caverna are worker placement. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. like there are certain worker placement games that I really love. Like the the new one from Stronghold Games, The Pursuit of Happiness, is mm-hmm. essentially just a worker placement game. But I like the theme in that one so much that like mm-hmm. it doesn't okay. feel like a worker placement game. If that makes sense. So, yeah. so you just have to start liking farming. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did. I grew up in the Midwest, so I feel like that that should be in my blood to some extent, even though I grew up in the city. But I'll have to I'll have to go back to my Missouri and Iowa roots and, you know, go from there. <laughs> For this week's board game etymology, since we have already discussed the origins of the word win, we're now going to explore the origins of the word lose. Lose comes from the Old English word losian, which which meant to perish, be lost, or destroy. And that word came from a Proto-Germanic word, lausa, or the Old Norse los, meaning the breaking up of an army. There are also words in Old Frisian, Old Saxon, Middle Dutch, Sanskrit, and Greek that all have tie-ins to this word and have similar meanings. I'm not going to go through all of them because obviously, as you can tell, that's a lot. But it seems like this word is very pervasive in different forms throughout a whole bunch of different languages through history. The definition of lose that means to fail to gain or win something originated in the 13th century and its intransitive meaning of fail to win a game, contest, lawsuit, etc. came about in the late 14th century. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, to get links to all of our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, and Board Game Geek Guild. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Have suggestions for the show? Shoot us an email at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Until next time, if you blitz it, he will come. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Let us fall into a spirit of contrition and admit our shame. Cassidy, are you dying right now? Yes. <laughs> Did it, was it good, though? Did it sound good? It was good? great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, anytime I could throw the word contrition into a podcast, right. it's a good day. <laughs> Here, while we're all laughing and stuff, let me blow my nose real quick. <laughs> We get this cough out of my system. Get all the phlegm out. Oh man, guys! <laughs> and Ambi, don't put phlegm in the bloopers, please. Please, phlegm <laughs> needs to go in the bloopers. Hilarious. <laughs>